I'm Paul Sutton, and this is Digital Download, the show where I talk to topic experts on digital marketing, social media, and public relations about the things that matter in today's communications industry. On the last episode of the podcast, I chatted to public relations thought leader Ginny Dietrich about her view that PR will not survive the pandemic. The show has had an awful lot of interest and generated comments and conversations both public and private. In a sense, it doesn't really matter whether or not you agree with Ginny, but it is important that you think about what the future holds, as there are some very big changes underway. Not every comms agency is under threat, however. There's a new breed of agency in the world that is challenging the status quo. They're doing things differently, and they're a kind of a hybrid of PR, SEO, marketing, creative, and advertising. They're adapting fluidly to client requirements on a tactical level, while maintaining strategic communications thinking. It's a powerful proposition that, in my view at least, should be a model that all agencies follow. Over the next two shows, I'm talking to the founders of three of the agencies that I personally admire and think are leading the way. Don't Cry Wolf was founded by John Brown two and a half years ago, with an exceptionally strong commitment to society and the triple bottom line. It's now a certified B Corp. Rise at Seven was started by Carrie Rose with her business partner Stephen Kenwright just over a year ago and has seen astonishing growth in the creative SEO sector, achieving £1.5 million in revenue in its first 12 months. Hard Numbers only commenced trading in the middle of the pandemic and is just two months old. But Daryl Sperry and Paul Stollery have set out a firm commitment to tangible ROI for their clients, something that the traditional PR world has arguably actively avoided. Now, these two shows are intended to help provide a template for the future of the communications industry, something that can be taken away and acted upon. But we're going to start by looking back at the last show. Do my three guests agree with Ginny that PR as a standalone discipline is doomed? Let's start with John and Carrie. If she's talking about media relations, I, I actually I, I agree. Yeah, I agree 100%. You know, if, if, if you know, it's pure play media relations, I think as a standalone, and this is this is very crucial that I kind of put those parameters on it, as a standalone, this is all we offer is media relations discipline. And you're uh, an agency or an individual in-house that is just, that is your remit. I think you should be worried. I think you should be very nervous. Not least of all, because the, the, the media world is, is being decimated you know I, I expect half of the journalists are on furlough and I don't know how many of those will actually ever return from furlough come October I think she's right I, I think that um it it's moving in and what that's exactly why we kind of I wanted to shift away from being called a digital PR agency is because it is becoming part of the marketing mix um it's all works together in, in every way One of the major reasons for the thinking discussed in the last show is that PR has failed to be taken seriously by the C-suite and that an absorption into marketing is therefore inevitable. Here's Daryl. A lot of the people in the industry rail against seeing themselves as an adjunct of marketing because they, they think they'll miss out on the seat at the top table and be unable to deal with senior management. But Daryl sees things a different way and counters that being a subset of marketing isn't an issue as long as the relationships with senior figures still exist. 
We see ourselves as an adjunct of sales and marketing, and we have no problem with that. And yet we have direct relationships in the C-suite with the vast majority of the clients that we deal with. So we deal with the chairman, three CEOs, two of which are founder CEOs, and two country managers. So I don't think it's to our detriment um, as an industry to, to perceive ourselves in that way at all. And I've got no problem with that being the direction of travel for the demand generation side of the, the business. John also says that contact with a C-suite isn't an issue for Don't Cry Wolf and says it's because of the way the agency thinks about brand marketing. I can't off the top of my head think of one client where we don't respond, we don't report into the C-suite. And I do, and I'm not just saying, oh, we, te- we, we, spoke, we speak to the, the, the most senior marketer. I, I genuinely mean like the CEO, the COO and the CFO. And that's because we take a holistic view to the way the brand communicates Internally and externally, by the way. Another way to think about this is that the PR industry itself is splintering into different areas, with one half maintaining senior level contact and the other going a very different route. Tony Langham from Lanson spoke at an event I I helped organise recently for the CIPR, and he did a great talk on this subject. I'm paraphrasing, and I hope I do him justice, but he sees the PR industry bifurcating into two groups. There are those who do corporate reputation and those who drive demand. If you follow that line of thinking, you can see that anyone in the demand generation space will effectively operate as a a subset of marketing. It's very clear that all three of these disruptive types of communications agencies take a high-level view of what it is they do. They don't limit their services to just one or two areas. I think if you are prepared to... to broaden what you offer and what you kind of obsess about which is going into the wider way of how a brand communicates in its entirety then you become tremendously important during this period and 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 cementing yourself at the top table take a look at misguided and misguided they have brand directors social media managers content uh, directors and then the seo team and i think the seo team in specific never really had a say they was just the people that added keywords into content that's what it was maybe two three years ago and i think now what we've done at rise at seven is gave seo a voice by tying digital pr in and also tying social media in and content and for once seo is the biggest voice now that's that's how it is um and i think that's what we're seeing so i think digital pr um will no longer be a standalone thing i think it'll just be part of the whole marketing strategy really Now, this is all admittedly speculation at this stage, and that's likely to be the case for a while yet. But there's no doubt that Daryl, John and Carrie all agree with me that the conventional earned media-led PR model won't be around for much longer. Come October, we're going to have a real kind of sense of where we genuinely are, because, you know, furlough ends and all of that all of that kind of the the, the the sort of the support or the the kicking the can down the road ends so let's let's really then take stock of where where the industry is but after that we might start seeing you know people going out for briefs or going out to um putting programs out to tender because by the way the new business system is so utterly broken that it costs them nothing just to go and ask 12 agencies what they think we'll get a full sense of security and out the wash will come the idea that actually most of those briefs have turned into rebrands, uh, turned into much more sort of content marketing based or 
you know, are, are more holistic briefs than what we actually anticipated. And the PR agencies that just offered media relations didn't get a shout in. So if you buy into the idea that earned media-led PR is a dying discipline and that you need to diversify what you do and how you do it and fast, how do you know where to start? I asked all three of my guests where the inspiration for their own business models came from and how they created something value-led and differentiated. Did they see a gap in the market and how did they bring something new to the communications industry? The idea for the brand name, Hard Numbers, was I gave it a brand name which tells you everything you need to know about about the business. As Ben Verinda said to me when I told him about the agency, it's a bit Ron Seal. Uh, I took that as a compliment. I think he meant it as a criticism. <laughs> um, but, you know, the, the core tenets of the approach come from, from our criticism of, of other agencies that we, we see out there, particularly ones that started in the last few years. We did see a gap in the market, especially in SEO. Um, what we found is that there are so many amazing technical SEO agencies out there. There are also so many amazing creative agencies out there, but not there's not one agency that can do both just as good as each other. I think when when clients needed technical expertise with creativity, so digital PR, content marketing, they was always separate. So they always had to hire two agencies and they never really came together. And we kind of saw a change in the industry and a change in the market where now more than ever, they're needing agencies that could do it all. And I'm not talking about an integrated agency that could just like tick all the boxes in that sense, but I'm talking, you know, think about PR for search or think about even PPC with PR at the center of that. Um, so I feel as if the marketing overall is changing, um, and which is why we decided to launch Rise at 7. John says there wasn't one specific moment that convinced him to start Don't Cry Wolf, but that it was a culmination of observing what brands were responding to and wanting to solve problems, not provide services. For me, um, what I wanted to create and what I saw people responding to really well was very honest cards on the table conversations and consultancy that meant that we weren't coming to the table with PR being the answer irrespective of what the question was but actually we were coming to the table with more questions challenges prodding poking and trying to understand well actually what does this brand genuinely need and then making sure that the skill set and that the agency was agile enough and geared up enough to be able to provide those skill sets in the right kind of blend and the right fashion all of which kind of led up to our, I guess, our sort of what we've become quite well known for now is this activism style approach to comms and to uh, yeah to marketing in general as well, where we try and cap, we'll kind of try and focus on a particular issue, problem, area, and and galvanise audiences to either tackle it talk about it, address it, get excited about it, upset about it, but to do something. And then from that, that then bleeds into, you know, how we actually execute that, which channels we use and and ultimately um, positioning the brand as a kind of facilitator or enabler of that, of that movement. We want to be the agency that sales teams love. You know, we want to create leads and opportunities to pitch for our clients. And we might do that through content, through you know placing third party you know uh, commentary elsewhere and creating content and putting it behind a 
you know, lead capture mechanism on the client's website or whatever, or we might just go route one and pick the phone up and create um, opportunities that way. You know, we will ultimately meet the KPIs that we have from our clients in whatever whatever way we need to. We've so far heard how all three of these agencies are taking a holistic view of what they do. They listen to what a potential client needs and they provide solutions that may be PR-based or brand-based or creative-based or SEO-based. So how is this new agency model categorised? So that's an interesting question because over the last year that's changed. Um, When we first launched, we called ourselves a creative SEO agency because we wanted to show that we are an SEO agency. That's all myself and Stephen has ever done is SEO. Um, So we needed to highlight that. But the creative is because we're different. We do things in a different way. But then we've decided to change that over the last two months. um, We're about to actually launch a rebrand, probably at the same time of this podcast coming out of a search first creative agency. The reason for that is creative agencies um, are also seeing a change just as much as SEO, where their clients are needing SEO at the heart of it. So, you know, they're creating all these fun big campaigns or, you know, fun designs or landing pages or anything like that, but then nobody understands search. So for once there is a creative agency that has the search at the heart of it. And it's not that we're the best at creative. We're not the best creative agency out there, but we are the best at search. And we can combine those two things for the first time. We call ourselves a performance driven marketing communications consultancy. I like the word agency because obviously agency implies action, but we went with consultancy because it sounds more expensive. Um, and we 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 uh, we talk about um, marketing and communications maybe more than the PR, uh, but we use those terms interchangeably. Aside from what you call yourself now, though, does it matter how others refer to you? I mean, if you call yourself a brand agency, but everyone else refers to you as a PR agency, is it something you should care about? I remember I was at a conference um, maybe about six months ago and somebody, nobody, they weren't speaking speaking to me, but it was just like in conversations, oh, have you heard about that Rise at Seven? What do they do? And I was listening in and somebody said, oh, they're a digital PR agency. And I immediately, I thought, no, we're not. That's not what we are. And I knew that was a problem, but that was because of my marketing. I knew that I shouted so much more about our digital PR campaigns or results. And that's what people then thought we were. So the first thing I did is got back into the office and I changed that. So I got a whole new marketing strategy to make sure that people know that we are a search first creative agency. And now some of the words that people are saying about us on Twitter or creative or SEO or people are mentioning us now on podcasts and things like that, using the words that we want them to. So I do care, yes, um, and it's the best way to kind of do that is just through our marketing, really. I don't care whether they call us a PR agency, a branding agency, creative or a comms agency. or I I couldn't care less, even if they called us a marketing agency. I say even as if it's something bad. Call us what you want. What I care about is if they, as as to how they refer to our work, not not what we do or which discipline they put us in, but the work that we create, that's what I really genuinely care about. I want them to be consistent and excited about the type of work we do, not necessarily which discipline that falls into. Now, we've all been exposed to the endless and mind-numbing debates about how to define PR that seem to break out every couple of years. And to me, it does the industry a massive disservice. Here's why, from the perspective of an SEO creative. 
I think with digital PR, that, that is my background. I love it. There's nothing against digital PR. The only thing is with that is I think it in the SEO industry specifically, SEOs look at digital PR as like a side service, um, you know, the fluffy kind of marketing service that is not tangible maybe or anything like that, but that's not true. That's that's not true at all. Um, that's completely changed. I think it was so separate maybe two, three years ago. Um, and some people are in that mindset and I didn't want to show that. I wanted to show that we're not just digital PR, we do do SEO. And I think, especially from us as a business, digital PR does have a ceiling in terms of revenue and we didn't want to hit that ceiling. So we probably predict around, I don't know, 3 million a year through digital PR, um, but we want to go above that. So the content marketing, the SEO, that's where the revenue is going to come. So we needed to make sure that we communicated that. Fluffy and with a low revenue ceiling. Ouch. There's plenty of people, organisations, what have you, are very focused on defining what it is that they do. And they try and pigeonhole that into either the channel or the or even the tactic, you know, the, 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 that sort of discipline. And I think that's because most of the time it's because the work is probably a bit bit smelly a bit vanilla and a bit kind of undefinable it's just a bit you know meh the work is a bit smelly a bit vanilla and a bit meh ouch again the only thing that they then you know have got to kind of grab hold of is the sort of the 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 the, the tail of either the industry discipline or the tactical discipline that they're that they think that they see themselves in so I think that's where that, that comes into whether it's detrimental or not. I mean, for me, it's great because, you know, the more they're focused on solving that nonsense, the more I can you know drive away and, and, and take, take clients into a different uh, arena. So, yeah, like, for me, it's great. So does this mean we can once and for all bury those tiresome conversations about who we are and defining ourselves? I think if I see one more debate on Twitter about whether we need a, a current or new definition of PR, I think I'll go up and I'll, I'll fulfil that lifetime ambition of mine to go and start a Domino's franchise. Um, you know, the, the, the risk, um, I, I just I think all the kind of introspective, navel-gazing, kind of pointless stuff around defining, you know, PR is, is a waste of time. You know, people come to us with problems. They need to raise their profile above their competitors. They have a new product category that they need to drive adoption of. They need to sell more product or service to a particular group of customers. They need to grow their market share. Um, and we find our clients solutions to those problems. I've talked about this kind of endless opera of of PRs and you know the PR industry, you know, each year. Who are we? What are we? How do we define PR? Well, fuck, who gives a fuck? Just do the work. And let people define you for that. And no matter what it is or how, which disciplines or channels you're using, do the work, focus on that. And if you spend more time being brilliant at that bit, at, at the actual doing of the work, you know, you, you, you'll sit, start to see a far better kind of response and engagement from the wider world. Now, I've referred in this show to all three of the featured agencies as being disruptive. They've taken a fresh approach to business and they've made conscious efforts to be different to what else is out there. They all have very defined positioning that stands apart from the homogenous nature of the mass of communications agencies in the world. But do they think they're disruptive? I shy away maybe from disruptive as a way of talking about ourselves purely because I have a beef with the kind of fetishization of disruption that that's happened in the 
um, particularly in some of the stuff you see on LinkedIn and things like that, right? No one actually wants to be disrupted. But I kind of feel like um, we definitely want to do things differently. One of my sayings is, if you want to work with HSBC, you need to act like HSBC. If you want to work with Gymshark, you need to act like Gymshark. And what I did is I acted like Gymshark. I acted like the brands that I want to win one day. And so I guess that was being a bit disruptive. We we did change things up a little bit. Um, it's interesting because when I first launched, it's not like I had that word in my mind. It's not like, oh, you know, I'm off to go disrupt the, the industry or anything like that. But I feel like we have. We've actually had a bit of stick on online from that, especially in the SEO community. SEO community, they don't really like change. So I think the fact that we just <laughs> we disrupted it a little bit um, caused, you know, ruffled a bit of feathers. Um, but I think now I would say, yes, we are a disruptive agency. And I think that's what's setting us apart. I think especially during COVID, um, there is a need now to be a bit of a disruptive brand to shout louder than the others and make sure that you survive. And I think that's why maybe we've won a lot of business recently. John has a slightly different take linked to his holistic view of business and the agency's unique stance on wanting to impact society as a whole. I think we're a disruptive business, not a disruptive agency. So I think the way that we do business is quite disruptive and and that's what I sort of set out to do as well. I didn't, you know, if we disrupt the PR industry along the way or, the, you know, the creative world along the way, fantastic. But actually the first thing that I wanted to really achieve was to try and develop a business that actually said, this is how organizations should now act in the world. This is what they should stand for. This is how they should hold themselves accountable, um, how they should adjust their vision from just being a kind of single bottom line profit and loss focused organization to actually bring into account you know the triple bottom line your impact on the planet and people so i think what we've what we've tried to do is create a disruptive business um, that happens to do comms so there you have it if you want to dodge the death of traditional PR bullet and you want to create something that is not only successful in the short term, but also stands the test of time, be distinct. Stand for something. Don't do what everyone else is doing. On the next show, I'm continuing the conversations I had with Carrie, Darrell and John by looking at the impact of COVID on the communications industry, whether the traditional agency model has any sort of future, how to approach a brief from a holistic perspective, and whether clients have now seen through all the bullshit in the comms world. Make sure you tune in next time. For now, though, the last word of this show goes to Daryl. If I have a criticism of most agencies that have started, not all, but most agencies that have started in the last you know, five to ten years, it's that they haven't taken advantage of the fact they're starting with a blank sheet of paper, and they have the opportunity to do things completely differently to the way they've been done before. And that is the... The key thing that we um, that we do all the time at, at Hard Numbers. To talk to any of today's guests, check them out on Twitter. You can subscribe to Digital Download on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. And if you like the show, please do leave a review, as this helps others discover the podcast. Thanks for listening and I'll see you next time.